0: Understand these radical Christians who were just coming into the city of Antioch, we need to go back a little bit, right? All the way to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. You remember that a great persecution had broken out and the church had been scattered. Now that's the word that we get, the word diaspora. So the church had been scattered. We read in 8:1, all except the apostles, it had been scattered to Judea and Samaria. Interestingly if you notice in Acts 1:8 that was what Jesus told that you will be my disciples in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth and I think somehow the Jerusalem church kind of uh, you know struggled to take the gospel beyond Jerusalem and the Jewish confines right even here you notice when they first came to Antioch they talked only to the Jews only right so there was a danger of the gospel being domesticated within the Jewish confines And I think it was the persecution that kind of released it and sent the Christians out into these different places. So I usually say that God used Acts 8.1 to accomplish Acts 1.8, right? (laughs) Sometimes, you know, you wonder when you go through tough times, even we ask ourselves, Lord, why is it happening? Why has, you know should this happen? Why would Stephen, at the very prime of his ministry, why would he be taken away? Why would a William All die only after eight months of ministry? Or why has this happening to me? And many times we do not know, or maybe we may not have clear answers. But in retrospect, we could always see what God has been doing—that God, even in the most difficult situations, that God is working out for the good of His kingdom. And, uh, and I believe, as followers of Jesus Christ, whatever is good for his kingdom, it is good for me. It doesn't matter what happens to me. If it is good for his kingdom, then it is good for me. Now listen to what these guys are doing. When they came in, in, in verse 20, they also spoke to Greeks also, Telling them, this is what I want to say, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Imagine, it is this good news that had brought persecution on them. Some of them, you know, have completely lost the business. Kids are put out of school. And, you know, know, their homes were taken away. You could think of every imaginable security they would have had had been completely taken away. And they are pushed out to some places, dispersed all over the place. But then you know what they say? They went and proclaimed the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. I like this. I really like this. The reason is, it doesn't matter what happens to me. From a pure human perspective, it is this good news that brought bad news to them. But this good news of Jesus will always be a good news. It will always be a good news. It doesn't matter what happens to you and me. It will always be a good news. Because it is concerned about Jesus. And his kingdom. Once a Christian. Comes to get a grip on that. Once a a Christian. Begins to understand. And commit themselves to this good news. I think that they become. Real radical Christians. For Jesus Christ. And that's what. We see here, right, the good news. They went around proclaiming. How often we see, like I hear sometimes, you know, even in India, in some places, they say, oh, I get a headache, you know, I don't know, Lord, why this has come to me. And, you know, I'm not going to come to church. I'm not going to read the Bible. You, you hear people like that. But sometimes you, 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 you really feel, you know, we need to go back and go deep to and ask this question. What is Christian faith? What is about this good news? That made these people to lose everything and so the kind of cheap diluted gospel we often hear around in television in other places come to Jesus you will get whatever you want but there are people who would say in India in other parts of the world or even some here would say hey you come to Jesus Christ you will lose everything you have but you will have one thing that matters now and for all eternity and that is Jesus and his kingdom They were resolutely committed to Christ and his gospel. Oh, we need people. We need people who are resolutely committed to the gospel and to Jesus Christ. And number two, the second principle you see in the lives of these people, right, who are just coming in, these are the founders of the anti church, right? These are the Lay people, right? Many of them, we don't don't know their names. There are just a handful of people, but these are the people who are instrumental in founding probably the most influential church in the first century. They were resolutely committed to Christ and the gospel. And secondly, they were risk-takers and innovative in their approach, right? They were risk-takers and innovative in their approach. They were risk-takers, of course, you know, you, 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 you know that as they came in, the gospel had gone only to the Jews. They could have told, you know, like, this is how it is always done here. Have you heard that? Right? <laughs> this is how we have always done here. But we need few people who would say, praise be to God. But then, is there some other way? Is there some other way to reach some other people? But you and I have no authority to tamper with the message of Jesus Christ, right? We have no authority. The gospel is always the good news, but you and I must change the methods. As the times change, as the context change, we are called to be innovative. Look here, how did they proclaim the good news? They said, the good news about the Lord Jesus. Okay, listen, they are are speaking to the Gentile community. To the Greeks, not to the Jews. So they were not talking about the good news of Jesus, the Messiah. But they are talking about the good news of the Lord Jesus. They were contextualizing the message. They were contextualizing their approach in a way that they were able to understand. And in some sense, it's a risk, right? When you launch out, when you're innovative, you are taking a risk. But you must be willing to take that risk for God. Some time ago, I just came across this interesting poem about risk-taking. It said, there was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. And he like today the prayer, right? The commitment to, to play, to, to, to laugh, and to feast is so, so important. There was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked, never tried, never sang or prayed. And when he one day passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never really lived... They claimed he never really died. (laughs) They were resolutely committed to Christ and the gospel. And then they were risk-takers and innovative in their approach. And number three, they were refused, or they refused to be intimidated by the immensity of the task they had. Okay, Now, Antioch, Alexander the Great, when he died, his kingdom was divided among his generals, and the famous one of the generals was Seleucus Nicator, who went on to establish at least 16 Antioch in honor of his father. Now, this Antioch became the most famous one. This is the an Antioch of the Roman province of Syria. It was by the river Orontes, and this Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire just after Rome and Alexandria. It had at least half a million people, and, uh, and it was very cosmopolitan, it had a port, it was a commercial city, it was a religious pluralism, all kinds of things you want to see, you could see in the city of Antioch. Now into that city of Antioch, half a million people, a bunch of people are coming in. The audacity of faith to say that we are going to go in, we have lost everything, but we have not lost the gospel. And now that's the most powerful people you can find. You could lose everything, but not the gospel, not your faith. And they are coming in and proclaiming the good news in that city of half a million people. Now sometimes when you and I see the 21st century of the world, this world, or you see the change in context, you see the, whether it's the persecution or the apathy or, or, or in all kinds of things that are happening. Sometimes the question is we, we, we can get intimidated. But this people teaches us today that you and I need not be intimidated by the immensity of the task because we are not alone in this. We are backed by the power. That is why, remember, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, just before that, he would say, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. Therefore, you go. In other words, we are backed by the very power of God. And we are accompanied by the very presence of God. So you and I have no reason to be intimidated by the immensity of the task at hand. The task was huge. I, 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 Antioch Church is one of my favorite churches. I, I do a series of studies in that and done it all over the world teaching this. And, but So I always had a passion. Lord, one time at least I must go to Antioch. And last year the Lord helped me to do that. So we, I was in Turkey, in Istanbul, to speak and participate in a conference and uh, Dr. Tennant was there. We both were there together in a conference called Bridge the Divide that brings two groups of scholar practitioners working among the Muslim communities uh, together. So after that, I went to the seven churches tour that we read, you know, Revelation 2 and 3, says Laodicea, all those places, but still my heart yearned for to go to Antioch at least sometime I said, Lord, I must somehow put my foot in Antioch. And the Lord enabled me, and I flew in, and not knowing anybody except just one contact, and I just went in there and spent a day. I would never forget that. It's almost 99.9% Turkey would be Islam. And there are pockets of, you know, like scattered Christians, followers of Christ here and there. So I had the opportunity to go and visit some of them. And so the person with whom I was staying, he took me to this man, a Turkish Christian which is almost a contradiction of term in you know in the minds of them so 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 we so we went there and he's running a little cafe and a little shop gift shop and he also has a small christian bookstore so when i went and i, I was introduced i'm from india this man had this widest grin i've seen and then you know he said oh you're from india and then he walked towards his bookshelf and i was wondering what is he going to do And uh, he just pulled out a book, and I was wondering what book it's going to be. And it's a great smile. He gave the book to me. It was a Turkish translation of Dr. Ravi Zakaria's book, "Jesus Among Other Gods." I thought to myself, whether it was it is in the 21st century, or it was in the first century, that was the crux of the issue: Jesus among other gods, Jesus among other ideologies. Jesus among other philosophies. Jesus among other ways of life. And that is the crux of the matter. You and I need to choose that, and you and I need to proclaim that Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. They refused to be intimidated, and finally, they relied upon the power of God. The beautiful phrase here we read is, the Lord's hand was with them, And a great number believed and turned to the law. After all we have done, after all our zeal and enthusiasm, after all our strategic presentation of the gospel and contextualized innovative approach in ministry, if the hand of the Lord is not there in our ministry, we are missing everything in ministry. After all this, we need to do that. But finally, we need to come and fall at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, apart from you, we are nothing and we can do nothing, Lord. And that is what we see here. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. These were radical Christians in a prodigal world. But you could go on and see how the church got formed. And then Barnabas and Paul played a role. All this you can go on to study later. But just looking at these people. Ordinary people. We don't even know their names. Just a handful of people. The audacity to walk into a half a million city. The third largest city in Rome. And to communicate that Jesus is Lord among other gods. That Jesus is Lord. Not Caesar. Now, that's the faith. You and I need to have. That's the commitment to God and to the gospel that we must have. The excitement about the gospel. If there is one thing I would love today for you to go or take away with is this that excitement for the gospel. Come what may, Lord, as you see the people here in Orissa, or you see here in the church at Antioch, come what may, Lord. But I am seriously committed to you and to the gospel. Because this is the good news. There is no other good news in the world. This is the good news that the world needs to hear. We need to recover that confidence in that good news. We need to recover the confidence in that Jesus Christ and in this faith. To proclaim and to be faithful witnesses for Jesus in the world. We need to rediscover if we have to re-evangelize America, we need to rediscover this good news, this commitment to the good news and a resoluteness in following Jesus Christ. There are a few stories I can think of that I have read and I have, read, I have literally broken down and I cried. Two weeks ago, I read a story, and let me close with a small story. Let me be quick about it. The story about a Myanmar Christian, a Burmese Christian, the famous historian Samuel Hugh Moffat in his magnum opus, his massive book on the history of Christianity in Asia, two volume, runs over 1,000 pages. The second volume alone has got nearly 700 pages. He was concluding his history of Christianity in Asia and he, towards the end, he talks about the rise of the Asian Christianity. Remember yesterday how a man who was all alone, right? buried, And in the words of dying, but with great faith, William All, the first Methodist missionary to die on Asian soil, would, would, would say that Asia, right, spreads forth her hand to God, glad to come under the Messiah's day, and it saluted that day. He was looking forward to that day. And Moffat was writing about how the church had grown in Asia. And towards the end, he said that it's appropriate to close with the story of an Asian Christian that actually manifests some of the qualities of Asian Christianity. And that's how he writes the story and ends his book. It's told about this group of people called Karen. Karen is a group of people in Burma who have come in huge numbers towards Christ. You know, the great Man of God, Adoniram Judson, the missionary from U.S. who would go there and serve. So huge Karen's have come to the Lord uh, in in, in Burma. But it was after Judson, almost 50 years after Judson, there were still some foreign missionaries living there. And it was a tough time for the Karen people because a plague of rats have come and swept through the place, completely devastating their crops. A plague of rats have completely devastated the crops. The Karen Christians or the Karen said nothing to live on except to kill the very rats they have devastated their crops and to feed on them. And that's how they were surviving, the Karen Christians at the time. It was during that time, a Karen deacon came to this foreign missionary and he gave a small amount of money into his hand, which was equivalent to, I think, around uh, five U.S. dollars. So he gave the small amount to the foreign missionary because they were trying to start another mission field up north among another group of people called Kakins. So they were trying to reach out. So he came and said, sir, this is the gift from the Karen church. Remember, they were surviving on rats. So he gave that. And the foreign missionary was horrified. He said, no, 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 no. I cannot take this money because I know how much you all are suffering. I know you guys are Surviving just by eating the rats. I cannot take it. I cannot take it. And the Karen leader he shook his hand and said, No, sir. And then he put the money firmly in his hands and he said, Sir, we can live on rats, but the Caucasians cannot live without the gospel. We, we can live on rats. But the cock they cannot live without the gospel. This 21st century, where are those people? Where are those people who would make that commitment to this Christ and to his gospel? May we be one of those people this morning as we are going to participate and remember the broken body and the poured-out blood of Jesus Christ, may we come to you and say, Lord, may I be broken for you, Lord. May I be poured out for you, Lord Jesus, that your kingdom come, your name be exalted, your will be done.